and welcome to the SCP Club Platform Podcast, episode 46. This one will be a scary one. <laughs> I'm kidding. Hello, my name is Ina Ivanova and I'm your podcast host from Sofia, Bulgaria. And yeah, it's just the first podcast episode after Halloween, so I'm in a bit dark mood still. But I promise I won't hurt you today on the episode. You should trust me. So it's been quite some time. I haven't really hosted a podcast episode. The last one, I believe, was back in April. And I'm back. Uh, it's been really quite a busy time for me out there looking into what's new within the platform. And uh, then as well, October was kind of packed with business trips. The usual suspects, tech at Las Vegas, end of the month, tech at Barcelona and the Club Foundry Summit in Europe in between those two. So as usual, many exciting announcements and uh, fruitful discussions on site. Thank you for this. And now it's time to reflect on the feedback and all the nice ideas that I collected out there and look into the future of our product. And as well, come back and be the podcast host for the November episode. So, let's take a sneak peek on today's episode agenda. I will start with a brief overview of the interesting pieces in the release notes. Uh, then we'll continue uh, with two interviews with my special guests. This is Lava Govodarska, the product owner for Python within SAP Core Platform, and Kirill Gavrilov, a fellow product manager working on the new kid on the block in the SAP Core Platform core services, the Alert Notification Service. And as usual, we'll wrap it up, taking a quick overview on the upcoming events around the corner. So, time is money, so let's start. As usual, I've chosen some highlights of the latest release to share during the podcast. For the full overview, please check the release notes online on help.sap.com. Make sure you follow what's new around the ABAP environment, quite some updates in the release notes, and ABAP Environment GA was one of the highlights from the TechEd keynote announcements. There are also some updates uh, around HANA within SAP Core Platform, so in case you use HANA, and I'm sure most of you do, just take a look what's new and uh, follow the updates there. You can now also use custom metrics to auto-scale your Cloud Foundry applications running on top of the Cloud Foundry environment uh, with the application auto-scaler service. And if you didn't have the chance to get your hands dirty with a two-hour TechEd hands-on session around the application programming model, make sure you check out the documentation and give it a try. We've also added a new region and you can now use the Cloud Foundry environment in Singapore on top of AWS. And my favorite update today, you have a double trial, not a double trouble, a double trial. What I mean with this? All new trial accounts created after October 25 within the Cloud Foundry environment have an enhanced default quota plan with 4 gigabytes memory for applications instead of 2, that's double, and 10 routes instead of 5, again twice more. So enjoy your bigger trial accounts. There are, of course, a set of news around other services like identity provisioning, workflow, portals, success factors, extensions, and I'm sure I missed quite some updates. So take a look at the full list of the release notes on help.sap.com and enjoy. 
that Python is now one of the enterprise-supported programming languages within our SAP core platform. And um, yeah, some, some logic behind having a Python episode on today's podcast. Python 2.0 was released in October. Python 3.0 was released in December. So I think it totally makes sense to have Python covered in our podcast exactly in November episode. Uh, so for this, I have invited a product owner for Python runtime in the SAP Core platform and the SAP HANA XS Advanced, uh, Desi. But before I let her introduce herself, I really have a Python joke that I, I want to tell you. And it's anyways the first uh, SAP Core platform podcast episode after Halloween, so it's a dark joke. It goes like this. A little girl goes into a pet store and asks for a rabbit. The shopkeeper looks down at her smiles and says, would you like a lovely fluffy little white rabbit or a cutesy-witty little brown rabbit? Actually, says the little girl, I don't think my python would notice. <laughs> so, um, Desi, can you give a little bit of a background about yourself and particular areas you're working on within the platform? Okay, first, so, Haina, hello everyone, thank you for having me on the episode. Today it's an honor, really. Um, I'm Desi. I've been in SAP for five wonderful years now. I started as a developer in SAP HANA, XS Classic Edition. Uh, then I moved on to HANA XS Advanced Edition, then to Cloud Foundry, where I dealt with Node.js and now with Python. Yeah, thank you. And before we start with a deep dive in Python, maybe it makes sense to have a little bit of a warm up on the topic, besides the joke I told already. Uh, so how would you introduce Python and not the snake, but really the programming language <laughs> to a newbie? So, uh, you know, what I find kind of interesting is now that uh, with the rise of machine learning and data science, Python is getting a lot more attention. But actually, it's a pretty old language. It's almost 30 years old now. Wow. So it's not some young and polished technology. It's actually very mature. If I have to sum it up with just a few words, it's interpreted, object-oriented, high-level programming language. It features some support for functional programming, so it's great for data science. It has dynamic typing, and it puts a huge emphasis on code readability. Uh, actually, if you want to understand Python better, you, better, you should definitely check out the so-called Zen of Python or the 20 principles of the language. And these are definitely fun. I've taken a, a look at those. Um, good. So um, our customers really now have a choice what programming languages to use. So we, we brought up uh, Node.js next to Java and now as well Python as an enterprise support. Of course, there is also a bring your own language paradigm within the platform with the Cloud Foundry build packs. Um, but usually choice, besides bringing flexibility, um, on the other hand, um, makes it a bit harder to choose and uh, you need to know when to use what. So what are the benefits using Python? Well, as a personal experience, and I believe this is actually one of the biggest reasons developers fall in love with Python, 
is 100% the ease and speed of development. Any code written in Python is incredibly easy to read and to understand. And because there's no compile step, the development and debugging goes very fast. Besides that, Python has a huge standard library, a really huge one, and is also modular. So it, as Node.js and Java, it has a package manager called pip. So in case you need anything outside the standard library, right now there are over 150,000 free packages for you to use on pipe.org, which cover pretty much anything from web frameworks and graphic interfaces to text and image manipulation to machine learning. And uh, if that's not enough, we should mention that you can also extend Python with C and C++. You can call C and C++ functions within the language. And also Python runs on every major operating system, Windows, Macs, Linux. Also pretty much any Linux distribution comes with some version of Python already prepackaged for you to use. And that definitely all sounds great, but I bet that's not really a silver bullet as usually. So what are the most common challenges when using Python? Well, um, as any other language, Python is not a silver bullet. So I think most of the problems with the language stem from the fact that it's not compiled. So I'd say speed and memory are not on the strong sides of the language. And you have to be careful in that regard. Another pitfall is the fact that uh, there are two major ver versions of Python out there right now, Python 2 and 3, and they're very incompatible. So if you want to write code which runs on both versions, you should use a compatibility library mm -hmm. like 6, for example, or be a bit limited in the syntax you're using. And uh, now Python features dynamic typing, so sometimes you get some pretty interesting runtime errors. <laughs> okay. Um, and having Python as a third programming language within the platform that comes with enterprise support and SAP provided libraries for better integration in the product is for a reason. So can you shed some light on the concrete use cases for which Python is really the optimal choice? Well, uh, the most obvious use case and the one I think most people think of is definitely machine learning and data science. You have TensorFlow and Scikit-Learn uh, packaged with really a huge arsenal of data analysis and data visualization libraries, which is pretty much all you need to get started in that field. And uh, the second obvious use case to me, which actually may come as a bit of a surprise to most people, is actually web development. Mm -hmm. Django and Flask are currently in the top 10 most used web frameworks in the okay. world. And Python runs the backends of giants like Instagram and Dropbox and YouTube. So web development is definitely something you can do with the language. And I'd say the third biggest use case is the field of IoT. Okay. Sounds definitely like really the interesting stuff, almost, besides the web development. Uh, so based on your experience, are there the opposite cases when we should definitely look for another programming language? Um, anything memory intensive or performance critical? And if I have to do multi-threading, I would look elsewhere. Okay. Um, and you mentioned already there are two major Python versions, 2.0 and 3.0. Uh, what's the difference and what's the plan there for these two? Well, um, 
yes, there are two major versions. The latest Python 2 version is 2.7 and it has an end of life date in 2020. Mm -hmm. So until then, there will be no new features in that version. There will be no Python 2.8 okay. and there will be only major bug fixes. So you should definitely do any new development in Python 3. Actually, there's a huge blog post by Guido Van Rossum, who's the creator of Python, which uh, explains what's new and improved in Python 3, so I won't go into too many details. Mm -hmm. People can read that from for themselves, but as he has said, Python 3 is the present and the future of the language. Okay. And um, going a bit more concrete into SAP Cloud Platform and Cloud Foundry environment there, we actually provide Python uh, with the Python Community Build Pack. Uh, what should I care about when I push a productive Python application within the platform? So are there any tips and tricks and special settings around the build pack? Mm. Well, I'd say the most important thing, which actually is a recommendation to all productive applications on our cloud platform, not just Python ones, mm -hmm. is to deploy the application self-contained, meaning to package the application dependencies with the application code. That way, the staging process in Cloud Foundry won't make any network calls, which will make the whole deployment process more secure and you will have reproducible deployments. Uh, besides that, much like Node.js applications, there is a package for Python applications called CFM, mm -hmm. which provides access to the Cloud Foundry application environment settings and parses all of the relevant environment variables for the application developer, so you don't have to do that on your own. Yeah, like backup application, backup services, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also one thing which is pretty specific for Python is that unlike other build packs, the Python build pack does not generate a default start command for your application, so mm -hmm. you should make sure to always provide one. Okay. Um, that's that's definitely good to know and to follow. And um, we, we already mentioned the ease of development using the um, huge variety of existing packages. How was it? More than one hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. yeah. That that's really quite a lot. Um, and it's it's usually it's nice, but it brings up the question then of dependency management. So you said that uh, dependencies we should take care to pack them within our our application, but. What are really your best practices and pitfalls when it comes to dependencies? Well, I'm not gonna lie here. Dependency management and packaging in general with Python is a bit of a mess right now. <laughs> There's still no, no set standard. I mean, there are a few ways to do it, but it's, it's kind of hard. It's a pitfall. Yeah, really. you need to, to learn how to master the chaos. Yeah. So the first and actually the most important thing you should do is use virtual environments during development to make sure that you have an isolated environment for your project. Mm -hmm. uh, you could use uh, already ready tools for that. Called, there's one called VirtualEnv, we mm -hmm. prefer this one, but there are many others coming out right now. I think there's one called pipenv, you should also check that out. Um, second, uh, there are a lot of package managers out there. We prefer pip, but the Python build pack allows you to also use miniconda mm -hmm. and pipenv, I think. So it's up to you. Mm -hmm. But no matter what you're using, you should always make sure to have some sort of uh, log file in your application, something like pip file log, which really is a file with the exact versions of the application dependencies you're using, so you can make sure that you have a reproducible build of your application every time. Mm -hmm. Good. And um, I know 
among all these dependencies, we have also SAP provided Python libraries for the, that integration with the services within our product. So can you shed some more light on what kind of goodies this bring? Where can someone find those? Yes, well, right now we have a database client for SAP HANA. Mm -hmm. We have uh, security and JSON web token validation libraries and clients for the audit walk service and the instance manager. Uh, all of them are available in the Access Python package on Service Marketplace, but right now we are working on getting them in pipe.org. Great. Uh, oh, and besides that, we also have an open source logging library for Python applications running on Cloud Foundry. Great. And Dasi, to, to wrap it up, where should one start with Python in SAP Cloud Platform? Well, that depends what you want to do. If you're looking for machine learning, you should definitely check out the SAP HANA Python client API for machine learning. You can find more about it in helpsap.com. Mm -hmm. And if you're looking for general application development on Cloud Foundry, you can also check out the documentation on helpsap.com. Yeah, we have a tutorial ready for you, which will get you started. That's great. Uh, thanks really for the nice overview and intro for Python Desi, and I hope so we got everyone's attention for Python, and now you're ready to try it out on SAP Cloud Platform. Thank you, too. Okay, so continuing with my Halloween jokes, hope you liked the first uh, for Python. Uh, there is another one. Uh, so there is a new service on the platform which will notify you for anything scary that happens to your distributed cloud native application. Ho, ho, ho. And to put some more context around this, I invited the product manager responsible for this service. It's called Alert Notification Service. And hi, Kirill. As our audience meets you for the first time, maybe some introduction for yourself would be helpful? Uh, hi, Ina. First, thank you for having me here. I actually, for Halloween, was dressed like a product manager. Did, did you manage to scare quite some people? Mainly my boss. He was quite scared <laughs> running around. <laughs> Said, thinking I'm a product manager, but I'm in fact him. So, doing this and uh, promoting the services amongst our organization, which we are producing, and talking about the different things that we do for SAP Cloud Platform. So actually I'm quite eager to talk to you about today about the alert notification service. Okay, thank you. And um, to, to, to get started, we, we kind of all know that uh, with the distributed cloud native architectures that we really heavily promote as an, uh, as an approach towards cloud applications within SAP Cloud Platform. So besides all the benefits they are with this in terms of scaling, fast development, turnaround, you name it, there are also quite some challenges ari arising when something doesn't work as expected to really find the proper root cause. So along these lines, I've really only heard that Alert Notification Service addresses some of these challenges, but can you elaborate a bit more on this? You know, my team and I were asking ourselves the very same questions like a year ago. Yeah, sure, the distributed cloud applications give you a lot. They give you the flexibility to write in different languages, to have fast development turnaround, as you mentioned. But the is it hard? Is it hard to operate such an application? So what we did back then is just to ask a couple of our customers, just to mm -hmm. ask them, they have hands-on experience, and we ask them, guys, is, do you find this hard? And they said, yeah, guys, you're actually right on the spot. Mm 
-hmm. Imagine that we have a lot of applications which are consisted of different components. They have a lot of dependencies between each other. They have they are using different backing services on the platform. So when a problem appears, what happens? Mm -hmm. How do I know where my problem is? Do I watch some dashboards proactively? Do I code custom stuff to understand this? Or do I get notified mm -hmm. via the channel I want in an easy way? So actually this is what alert notification does. It, it will notify you for any issues with your application or its dependencies, no matter if there are other applications or services on the platform. And it will notify you not only via single channel, but the channel you like and you have in your ecosystem and you have used to use and to troubleshoot your app. Mm -hmm. So it, it sounds actually that it nicely fits not only to um, understanding what's going on with your, your, your distributed cloud native application and the multiple components out there and where is the problem, but also enables the, the really the DevOps culture and enabling the operators to, to do their job. Yeah, properly. it actually allows you to concentrate on the important stuff, right? Mm -hmm. If you are a DevOps guy, the least thing you want is to do proactively something. Mm -hmm. You just want to automate everything. And having the alert notification really helps you to, to, to automate and concentrate on the important stuff, stuff and continue automating the other, the other obstacles that you have in your day-to-day -day job. So, yeah, it leverages the DevOps culture a lot, I think. Yeah, for sure. Refreshing the dashboard to check for new um, information, what's happening yeah, with your yeah. app is not really the optimal operator's experience exactly. we're looking exactly. for. <laughs> okay, so uh, going a bit more into specific of the service, um, an interesting point here is um, really the nitty-gritty details. So which components of my distributed cloud application can be integrated and really monitored with the service uh, so that I understand there is a challenge. So do, do you get data from the monitoring service? Do you get integration with persistence with Cloud Foundry backing services and how does this work also with Neo and Cloud Foundry environments mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. nice question it? thank you <laughs> uh, when back then when we started we tried to identify the most important services that we want to integrate first with mm -hmm. and basically these are the monitoring service on the Neo platform the backing services uh, and on, on Cloud Foundry and of course the persistence service from both environments so you want to get the first thing you want to get from out of your app, you want to get notified to for is about is does it perform well? Does my database performs well? Are my dependent services available? Mm -hmm. So these are the three questions that we can now answer. However, we do try to integrate with more and more services on the platform. So our main target is to integrate with basically virtually all the services that we have. And regarding the question about the Cloud Foundry and Neo, mm -hmm. we run on both platforms. So you can get notified about alerts mm -hmm. on both both environments of the cloud platform. Yeah, so, so more or less you started with focusing on integration with the core services that are, yeah. so to say, relevant for every cloud native application out mm -hmm. there, and then we'll expand towards the other business services and intelligence services on top. Exactly. The first version of a lot of notification just gives you the bare minimum, which can help you mm -hmm. very easy to troubleshoot the, the, mm -hmm. most commonly, uh, the most common problems with your application. Mm -hmm. And um, what if I want to um, have some kind of a um, different 
type of alerting that is related to are there any specific custom alerts that are um, I can implement within my application or it's only limited to uh, the components which are already part of the platform and that I use so if you if you imagine that you're an application developer mm -hmm. which I remember you were a couple of years <laughs> I ago used to be, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's really easy that the alert notification uh, will provide you with a publisher API so mm -hmm. you as an application developer let's say you have an error lock and you want to get notified when this error lock appears mm -hmm. in the future you will be able to do to do so via this publisher API without any troubles okay. so any kind of a custom alert coming from your application mm -hmm. or any of its components it's totally doable doable okay um, so the health and operational state of my distributed um, application components are somehow monitored, some alerts are fired, I kind of get this, mm -hmm. uh, it's really nice, but where are all these alerts actually can go to? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere in the space. <laughs> they go somewhere. <laughs> no, uh, actually the nicest thing about this, at least from my perspective and the thing that I have always enjoyed about that service is that it gives you a lot of flexibility mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter if you use Slack or Jira or some other ticketing system or you prefer mail mm -hmm. it basically doesn't matter for the alert notification to send you alerts wherever you want to have these alerts mm -hmm. or if you have a hybrid hybrid application mm -hmm. one part running on-premise one part running in the cloud which is really really common amongst our customers and you have installed solution manager or uh, focused run focused mm -hmm. for SAP solution manager this also is not a problem for the alert notification it's really well integrated with mm -hmm. these solutions of ours so so to say so you can bring your alert management via the tools you like you like there's no need to install or maintain uh, new tools in your ecosystem or learn these new tools you just can use whatever you you have used to or whatever you like to, mm -hmm. to use for all of management. Okay, so it, it sounds kind of flexible already, like with all the integration you mentioned with email, with Slack, with, mm. uh, with uh, Jira, with Solution Manager, but um, can I can I go even further and just like take your REST API for the service and build, let's say, my custom dashboards for the alerts that are relevant for my distributed application and uh, or maybe integrate it with my uh, third-party existing tooling or a custom-built existing tooling that I have mm -hmm. for operations? You know, when we develop a service on the platform, we always go with quite an open mindset. Mm -hmm. We don't want to restrict our customers to a certain set of tools or mm -hmm. a certain way of working especially on the DevOps part because you know the different companies are really really different in terms of how they make their op operations of the cloud application mm -hmm. so yeah it's pretty possible the alert notification just exposes REST APIs and you can integrate these as well with whatever you want so on the one hand side we have the already been there done that integration like Slack, like Jira, like webhooks. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, we give you the REST APIs and you build dashboards on top of them, you build custom, you make some custom coding and take some actions based on this REST API. So this is not an issue, it's it's also there. Okay. Um let's say 
we, we got to the point when the service comes into play, what challenges it addresses, so kind of you, you summarized it nicely, mm -hmm. and I think we we now have an overview when we can use this service and what for, but how how can can a customer consume this service? I, as far as I know, it's, uh, it's now in beta, right? Mm -hmm. um, anything specific here? This is my favorite topic, actually, because... I'm really excited that we are in beta. Mm -hmm. We have really waited a long time, and we are just like we announced ourselves on the ticket in Barcelona a couple of weeks time, mm -hmm. and we call this guided beta because we really want to get the guys who subscribe for the beta. We really, really we really want to get the maximum out of it. Mm -hmm. So. When you subscribe for the service, you can simply drop us an email and then we'll guide you to your, all of your use cases. We'll uh, advise you which is the most appropriate way to tackle your alert management on the mm -hmm. cloud platform, so to say. You can also influence the service itself. So, we are, as I said, we are currently integrated with the most common services of the platform, mm -hmm. but we are looking forward to integrate with even more. So it really depends on the customer demand with which we will start and how we will integrate with them. So this is the the nice thing about the guided beta, so you can influence the development of, of this thing, which I think is quite cool also. Yeah, besides influencing the development, it kind of sounds, sounds really nice because with, with this guided beta, you get not only access to the service and influencing the future and the future first scenarios to be addressed, but also mm -hmm. some kind of a consulting around implementing, yeah. alerting, and yeah. integrating it. Which for, is, sure, for sure, for yeah, sure. And it's good. really interesting for us because we really like the feedback from from the guys who are using it. Yeah, which is normal for better. better. Yeah, yeah. That's just idea. Okay, so um, so far so good. What are the next steps going forward? So how will this service evolve from the product manager point of view here? <laughs> well, my personal hopes is that it will evolve a lot and it will have a lot of consumers. Yeah. And it really depends on the beta. So as I said, everyone who participates who influence the service so our first goal is to integrate with as much services on the platform as possible mm -hmm. our second goal is of course to listen to the use cases of the customers mm -hmm. and to introduce new features depending on their thoughts and their desires so to say so i hope that in the beginning of the next year we'll be featured complete or more or less quite ready for for a bigger release of this service okay so um, thank you really thanks for for this nice intro for our freshly um, baked beta of the alert notification service out there uh, what uh, we will have is as part of the wiki where we post our podcast episodes we will link also the blog that Kira created for the service and uh, you can take a look there and uh, see more details how to um, get uh, and become part of this guided beta experience that the guys offer um, and yeah really very nice having you here Thank you too, it was really nice having me here and hope to talk to you soon. <laughs> Thanks.
Hey, it's almost a wrap for this episode, but it's time to take a sneak peek on the upcoming events related to the platform. Starting with 21st of November, if you're interested in mobile development in the cloud, you can join a webinar on this topic. If you happen to be in lovely Vienna around 24th of November, make sure you stop by for the SAP Insight track there. And guess what? What's going on from 28th till 30th of November? It's SAP Tech at Bangalore. And unfortunately, I personally won't make it to there, but we have a great team of SAP co-platform experts on site that I'm pretty sure will rock it and it will be a very, very nice event to attend as well. So if you happen to be there, enjoy. Uh, from 10th till 13th of December in Seattle, USA, there is an external conference where we also have a presence at the KubeCon and CloudNativeCon. A couple of colleagues attending as speakers and as attendees this event, and I believe we will also have an SAP co-platform booth on the show floor there. So make sure you take a look. Don't know whether there will be um, a kicker IoT setup or a ping pong, but I'm pretty sure it will be really, really nice as usual. On December 12th, there is a webinar for IoT in the cloud. So in addition to the upcoming events, which you can monitor also on uh, the sap.com slash community slash events, I want to also highlight the interesting just started or self-paced open SAP courses, which are relevant for the platform. There is one um, running uh, with my fellow colleague here in uh, Sofia PM team, Danka Dimitrova hosts. Uh, uh, it, just, uh, it is around extending SAP call for customer with SAP call platform. It started on October 29th and it will last till December 4th, but you can as well roll in now and join the course and catch up with what happened before that. If you missed, uh, uh, didn't watch the recap of TechEd and uh, uh, online sessions available out there, there is also an open SAP course planned to focus on 2018 TechEd recap. It will start on December 4th. And there are two uh, self-paced SAP co-platform related courses, the API management one hosted by Harsh and Divya, our colleagues from the API management PM. And there is another one for analytics with uh, Sabrina Dick from my team. So think about enrolling in some of these. Check also for any other interesting open SAP courses on open.sap.com slash courses. And before I close the episode, I have an open challenge for all of you. Tweet me back what topics would you like to hear more in the podcast episodes and I will do my best to cover all this and make it really interesting. Together with my colleagues, fellow um, hosts of the podcast, of course. And that's it for today from me, from the colorful November here in Sofia. I'm just before a vacation, so um, you won't hear from me for the next month, I guess. Unless we try to have a special episode for December Christmas time. Let's see. And hope you liked the episode. Take care. Enjoy the upcoming podcast episode. And talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the SAP Cloud Platform podcast. In case you are interested to learn more about SAP Cloud Platform, visit our homepage at cloudplatform.sap.com. The SAP Cloud Platform podcast is powered by OpenSAP. OpenSAP is SAP's innovative learning platform and a thought leader for enterprise massive open online courses. It provides you with an engaging and effective learning experience through gamification and by connecting you with other learners and SAP experts. OpenSAP courses are free of charge and are offered in English. 
Enroll today in one of our open SAP courses at open.sap.com. Thanks a lot and see you.